Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. This is a smart show podcast for intellectuals like myself and Rachel, a couple of real tea drinkers. And what's your favorite tea? Mine, hot, Earl Grey, hot. That's what uh, Captain uh, Jean Luc Picard would drink on Star Trek. That sounded a lot like your Love Actually voice, actually, now that you mention it. Oh, Love Actually does happen at Heathrow Airport. <laughs> no, I meant the, the woman that says, uh, I don't want something I need. Oh, okay. So there's a character in Love Actually that I like to uh, imitate for Rachel because it's Rachel's probably favorite character. And it's the one who uh, tries to uh, seduce Alan Rickman's uh, yeah. married character. And yeah. that is, she's so single faceted. Why are we talking about this now? I don't know. She's so, so wildly single like minded in this. Like it's amazing. She remembers to eat or use the bathroom because this is all that she thinks about. And just every line she delivers in this movie is just full of dark corners for doing dark deeds. And it's like, <laughs> did you, it's Alan Rickman. He's great, but holy shit. Anyway, smart show, podcast, smart stuff. Um, uh, got tea, s- we drink tea. tea. We drink tea, a couple of big real tea drinkers. Maybe I felt a little bit uh, uncomfortable after the last episode when I brought... Um, uh, uh, oh, what was the one I brought where you made fun? Oh, Biscoff. Sky Cookies. Well, you know what? No, screw that. Biscoff is the smartest cookie that there is. That is true. The term one smart cookie was written about Biscoff, so screw it. We're still in the dumpster, folks. <laughs> You're here in the dumpster with us. We're a couple of real dumpster uh, mattresses, and I hope you listen and enjoy today's episode of Wonderful. Do you have any small? <laughs> that's just the it. That's the cold open. We're going to put that before the music. Do you have a small wonder? <laughs> Um, I, you know, just started seeing movies by myself. You have a couple times, like you never had in your I life. Had my entire life made it 37 years and didn't do it. And then recently I have seen two films. Uh, first Little Women, second Jojo Rabbit, both incredible. And kind of premier solo viewing experiences because they both left me quite weepy hmm, interesting it's nice to sit alone in the dark with my tears i think i saw um fast and the furious seven by myself oh, similar weepiness i think probably. yes or whichever one had the um tribute to uh no i was with you on you that were one. with me because you did see me weeping. i did see you, you yes did, they caught me weeping uh <laughs> i'm gonna say mole uh i just got back from a trip to houston and uh ate at a mole mole themed uh restaurant well, and, what was it, was it called? Holy mole. Baby, I made the same joke when I was there. Oh, of course you did, because we were soulmates. I love you. Uh, <laughs> it was so good. I've had like, you know, since moving to Austin, obviously before I moved here, uh, I shouldn't say obviously, you know, I lived in Chicago and Cincinnati probably has got mole in places, uh, but I'd never had it before yeah, I moved here. Yeah, but they here. put spaghetti in it. So. They do, they cover it. <laughs> uh, and it's really, it's like so good. It's like my, it's one of my favorite edible fluids. It's a rich, there's a richness to that. And this place had like 13 different kinds of mole really and they were all the flavor. so, 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 mm-hmm. so good. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love mole. Do you, I think I go first this time? Oh, I don't know. Well, let me think. Yes, because I ended the show with Sky Cookies, which okay. means I must start with yes. something classy. Please do. So I was in Houston for the Royal Rumble. Okay. 
So that's what I'd like to talk about. Is oh, the, the Royal Rumble. The format. I don't want to talk about the WWE as a franchise because kind of kind of stinky there's some stink in there that i don't necessarily want to uh dive into the the rich rich history of that stink the royal rumble as a sporting entertainment format is about as good as it gets it is just about the best sort of way that wrestling can be presented can be consumed uh, can be performed as a as an entertainment sport. Can you explain just very briefly the difference between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania for me? The Royal Rumble is, think of it as the penultimate sort of major event in the okay. wrestling year. Uh, WrestleMania usually happens around April, and oh. so uh, the Royal Rumble sort of sets up the big storylines. Okay. The winner of both the men and women's Royal Rumble events, uh, the, the, the individual Royal Rumble matches, get to fight in a championship match at WrestleMania. So whoever wins the Royal Rumble is going to WrestleMania. That is the whole okay. conceit of the event. Uh, I have been to WrestleMania before, uh, <laughs> and this was a, this was way better because the Royal Rumble is a very powerful, powerful event. I should say, I am not like a huge wrestling fan, especially these days, really since Henry was born, I feel like I've kind of uh, dropped off quite a bit from, I used to just like watch all the pay-per-views. I've never been one to watch all the wrestling programming in any given week because there's like seven fucking hours of it. And I'm going to say wrestling a lot. I am using it interchangeably with WWE, although there's a lot of other wrestling franchises that uh, my friends, the Minskers uh, will tell me about uh, pretty regularly. All Elite Wrestling sounds hot. we got to get down on that. But anyway, I'm talking about the Royal Rumble for the WWE. If you've never watched it before, uh, the Royal Rumble match is two opponents enter the ring, and then every 90 seconds, another contender enters the ring until 30 people have entered the ring, and the only way that you can be eliminated is if somebody throws you over the top rope and your feet touch the ground. Oh, That's it. Those are the those are the rules. There's no pinning, right? So there's none of that like, oh, he's got him one, two, oh, he kicked out. It's if you get thrown out of the ring, like DJ Jesse Jeff, that's <laughs> it. If your feet touch the ground. The feet touching the ground is important yes. because Kofi Kingston, I have shown you, and we definitely have watched a Royal Rumble before, and yes. I showed you Kofi Kingston where he did some like he like walked they do back. do this like floor is lava routine where they like hop from like item to item to not touch the floor. He's grown up a bit. He was the champion for like I say he's grown up. I mean WWE has given him like more storylines. So actually this time he didn't have a skit, which was heartbreaking. Naomi did in the women's Royal Rumble. <laughs> she like fully jumped all the way to the barricade between the ring and the wow. crowd and then built a bridge out of like <laughs> a big placard thing uh, the, on, on one of the, the commentators tables and Gosh, walked across it. Great. It was so fresh. But that's it, right? And so there's no confusion to it. If you don't follow wrestling, you still know when somebody's out yeah. because they've been, they are big and they've been launched out of a ring to the ground. Yeah. Uh, that is very good to watch. Mm-hmm. It is, I don't watch like wrestling programming, not only because there's seven hours of it a week, but also because, especially in like a non pay per view format, the matches are so long and there's so much talking and there's so much business and there's so much stuff and there's so many like big cool spots where they do sweet ass flips and dope stunts and then they'll lay on the ground for five minutes. Yes, there's a lot and of recovery. I get it. That's good. I don't want them to hurt themselves. I mean that. But it, it the matches are so long sometimes. Yeah. Royal Rumble 
every 90 seconds, something new, new entrance. Nobody knows who's going to be in the Royal Rumble. Nobody knows the order that people are going to come out. So like the 30th person could win because they have the fewest number of people yeah. to eliminate ostensibly. Mm-hmm. This time, the big gimmick was uh, Brock Lesnar, who is the big, big boy, the big, strong, former uh, MMA champ. Jimmy Johns, right? Jimmy Johns, man, yes. Went out first and then just proceeded to throw the next 10 guys out of the ring basically as soon as they got in there. Uh, which sucked, except it was really sweet when he got chucked. Although Shinsuke Nakamura died for our sins there, which is heartbreaking. That is that is the tricky part of this Royal Rumble is that if you have any faves, you can't guarantee you're going to get to spend any time with them because they may just they may just get launched one foot in the ring, one foot out immediately. But you never know who's going to be in it. This year, the big uh, thing was Edge came back, who was like a like Attitude Era wrestler who retired like 15 years, like a long ass time ago. Uh, came out, looked great. Uh, started a new feud. Uh, it was it was hot. It was great. But like one time, I was watching it, and Drew Carey came out. Fucking Drew Carey came out one time. Really? I was, yeah, he got pretty pretty much squashed right away. But um, hey, that's Drew Carey from the TV show. Yeah. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal came out at I believe uh, uh, either a Royal Rumble or a Royal Rumble esque event during WrestleMania. Uh, and it's just like, oh, there's Shaquille O'Neal. And then you remember like, oh, shit, he's a big fella because he's actually doing pretty good out there. Um, Do you get any surprise cameos like that? Uh, no, mostly they were um, either like NXT, which is like the development league, yeah. uh, like wrestlers. This guy named Keith Lee who made his uh, WWE debut from NXT who seemed fucking radical. Uh, but no, I think it was mostly like sort of uh, referencing uh, wrestlers of the past. I've talked about the men's Royal Rumble mostly here. The women's Royal Rumble was also like totally, totally radical. Naomi was great. There's a um, NXT wrestler named B- uh, Bianca Belair who had like an incredible run. Um, this is it though, right? Like I don't follow wrestling, but coming out of the Royal Rumble, like I know about sort of like Drew McIntyre's arc because I watched it in a single event. That's all I need, (laughs) gang. It's like a little magazine. It's like the Toys R Us big toy book of big wrestlers because it's like, I like that one and I like that one. I don't have to watch seven hours a week of them having not okay storylines most of the time. Yeah, It's an ideal way to consume a very, very goofy thing. And uh, I like it. Even even uh, even though I'm not a big wrestling watcher these days, uh, I think I didn't even really watch WrestleMania last year. You're, you're saying that a lot. And I think it's okay. It's okay. Well, no, Griffin. I'm following that up with saying I will watch the Royal Rumble every year until <laughs> I die because it is a it is a just completely entertaining event. Um and I had a ton of fun with it. Went to Houston with some friends. Stayed there. Did you get a soft a pretzel? Name. No. The bathroom situation at the Minute Maid Park was a absolute catastrophe. And so I, at a certain point, I just started to stop put things in my body. <laughs> Except for the last event, which was the Men's Royal Rumble, where I did have a big margarita. And it was a fun time for everyone nearby. <laughs> What's your first thing? Oh, we should also say that if if any wrestling enthusiasts are listening to this, they should check out Tights Tights and Fights. Tights and Fights, yes. Uh, I have not listened to their coverage uh, or their Mm -hmm. discussion of the Royal Rumble, but I'm excited to. Mm -hmm. What is your first thing, though? My first thing is a trip to the ring, uh, but but not the wrestling ring. It is uh, a trip to the poetry ring, by which I mean poetry corner, by which I mean boom, 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 bo
Here comes Robert Frost. Holy shit, Robert Frost back out of retirement. And his catchphrase that he says, which is, let's get chilly. And then he blows snow in their eyes. Yeah. And then they fall over. Anyway, what's up? <laughs> uh, actually. Is it Frosty Fresh? No, it's You got not. it? No. Oh, dang. No, but it is Rita Dove. And I imagine there could be a wrestling nickname made out of that. Oh, easily. yeah. You know, because the dove is like the sign of peace, and maybe she brings peace to the wrestling. No, never mind. That's not. That's I know not you haven't thing. watched a ton of wrestling, but they don't typically go that <laughs> route. I think Bailey has that market cornered. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bailey. Apparently, she's dark Bailey now. <laughs> That's okay. Anyway, we cannot talk about wrestling any more than we already have. Okay, Rita Dove has been in the poetry and just general like writing game for over 30 years now. Um, she's born in Ohio. Uh, she went to Miami University um, and then got an MFA from Iowa Writers Workshop. She was the U.S. Poet Laureate in, from 1993 to 1995. Uh, and at 40, she was the youngest Poet Laureate. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. And the first African-American Poet Laureate. Prior to there being a poet laureate, there was another position that was called something else, uh, at which point Gwendolyn Brooks held it. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a technical. It's a lot there. Um, she has received 28 honorary doctorates. That's too many. <laughs> that's too many. There's not a wall that's going to look good. There's. It's got to be a load-bearing wall to hang 28 honorary doctorates up off of You think of it. she introduces herself as Dr. 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 Dove? Yeah, probably every time. It probably sounds a lot cooler when she says it, though. Or Rita Dove, comma, PhD, 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 Yeah, something along, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, she has not only written poetry, she has uh, also published a book of short stories, a novel, and a play. Uh, currently, she is the professor of English at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. Uh, super cool poet. Yeah. Um, she has a lot of musicality or work. It's actually interesting. Her and her husband are uh, very passionate ballroom dancers. I thought you were um, going to say lovers. And then I was going to be like... Probably that too. Hey. Come on now. <laughs> um, yeah, she has apparently like performed in showcases with her husband as a ballroom dancer. Hell yeah, she sounds radical. Uh, and you can kind of see that 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 musicality, as I mentioned, and somebody actually wrote about it. Emily Newsbaum in the New York Times said that um, for Dove, dance is an implicit parallel to poetry. Each is an expression of grace performed within limits. Each an art weighted by history, but malleable enough to form something utterly new. That's great. That was a really nice way of describing it. That's the thing I think that really uh, is appealing to a lot of people about poetry is that there is some structure to it, mm-hmm. you know, and so you can kind of be creative within that structure. Uh, much the way that you can in a lot of other art forms, um, like dance. So I wanted to read a poem of hers that I really, really enjoy. And this this one's jam-packed. Um, there's like not a lot of lines here, but each image is, is kind of incredible. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, the poem is called Flirtation. 
After all, there's no need to say anything. At first, an orange, peeled and quartered, flares like a tulip on a Wedgwood plate. Anything can happen. Outside, the sun has rolled up her rugs and night-strewn salt across the sky. My heart is humming a tune I haven't heard in years. Quiet's cool flesh, let's sniff and eat it. There are ways to make of the moment a topiary, so the pleasures in walking through. Ooh. <laughs> Mrs. Weiner. <laughs> that is something. There are ways to make of the moment a topiary, so the pleasures in walking through is such. That is real good stuff. So good. I'm so envious of this poem because I feel like it is doing a lot of what I have tried to do in poetry, which is to very precisely create something that is so evocative that once you hear it, you never forget it. Yeah. That's incredibly good. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of the best ones that I I have heard on this show. Yeah, she she has written a lot. I mean, that's not necessarily representative of all of her work. She's written a lot of like historical poetry, like based on like specific moments in American history. Uh, but I feel like that really precisely like captures her talent, which is to just like take a concept and make it so um, sensual. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you're writing about fruit in a poem, it's gonna it kind of, and that's my, I guess my one criticism. Writing about fruit in a poem is kind of a sensuality shortcut, isn't it? Well, or in a painting, you know, fruit in a painting. Yeah, uh, that's true. Fruit and music. Well, and let's just get into it. Let's just get into okay. it. Okay. There's a lot of butt-shaped fruits in there. An apple, apple bottom jean, like mm-hmm. it's right there on the tin. Peach. A plum, I could eat a peach for hours. Mm-hmm. Like Cherry. Cherry plum. is another one. Plum. Mm-hmm. Right in my plums. Like it's mm-hmm. all so sensual. Pear. Pear's kind of pear shaped like mm-hmm. a butt, like it's all <laughs> so buddy, like it's all so fiercely butty, and it's like, why did it end up like that? Like, is it is it horny evolution? Is it horny intelligent design? Like, mm-hmm. some went some something happened with fruit that did not happen with vegetables because I've never looked at celery and been like, mm, I wonder if I can fit my, you know what on that like it's not uh, it's, this might be saying a little more about you than about the fruit itself and actually you know what i forgot about gourds but are gourds technically fruit or not mm, they mm, do have seeds they do have seeds mm. but i never looked at a broccoli and been like mm, i have for eating it but not for the other thing so what's your thesis <laughs> all fruit is made horny okay I'm not going to argue. I mean, there's a lot of good points you made there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Melons. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, can, can I, I steal, steal you away? away? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We got sponsors. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. It's a good thing. Sponsors are amazing. <laughs> Especially Dashlane. Dashlane, I've, I've talked about before. They offer a invaluable service for, you know, professional worldwide web surfers like myself. Uh, whenever I'm cruising around the information superhighway, I'm going to get my car in the Dashlane because Dashlane helps you fill out forms fast, remember all your passwords, and it keeps all your online data accessible and safe with an all-in-one app. 
It safely remembers and autofills all your login and payment information so you don't get slowed down filling in your info across all devices. You can safely send passwords and secure notes, share streaming passwords with your family, send coworkers access codes, let visitors know your Wi-Fi password, and so much more. I don't know how many like conversations I would be able to get out of in this house yeah. by not having to tell everybody where our Wi-Fi password lives. Yeah. It and, would be incredible uh-huh. to just have Dashlane do that for me. And then I can mm-hmm. talk about other cool stuff that I want to talk about, like popular music. Mm-hmm. And the sensuality of fruit. And I am going to start talking about that a lot. And if you want to start dashing through the internet and help support the show, you can visit www.dashlane.com wonderful to start your 30-day free trial of Dashlane. No credit card required. If you like it, use the code wonderful at checkout to save 25% on your premium subscription. Can I tell you about our next sponsor? Yes, you may. It's Rothy's. Rothy's is here. Four shoes on mm-hmm. your toes. Cover them up, won't you please, with Rothy's. <laughs> that's incredible. Did they pay you for that? I was actually, that's another Rita Dove um, <laughs> joint. She said I could use it. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Um, I have... Four pairs of Rothy's now. Mm, it's a real problem. Uh, so I can basically just wear them every day all week. Uh, and often I do. She could dress two horses, folks. <laughs> do you think about shoes that way when you look in the closet? Uh-huh. About how many horses worth is it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I look at your pants. Like, you've got 16 pairs of pants. That's eight horses. Mm-hmm. We'd need to go out there and we'd need to go acquire... Um, more sh- more shoes approximately 16 more a lot of okay, 24 shoes <laughs> rothy's are stylish sustainable comfortable washable really all in one pair of shoes they're perfect flats for life on the go uh playful designs add fun pops of color perk up every outfit while still looking polished and professional i have this like black pair that they have this little like gold thread woven through and it's just like it's like a little classy and sassy you know mm-hmm. in equal measures uh they're also made from repurposed plastic water bottles so you can feel good about it you know it's like i'm not just looking sharp you know i'm saving the world <laughs> uh-huh. one shoe at a time uh check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash wonderful that's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash wonderful to get your new favorite flats. Comfort, style, and sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. Head to Rothy's dot com slash wonderful today. Have a message for Lauren, and it's from Kathleen, who says, Howdy, Lauren. I love you so much, and I have no idea where I would be in college without you. You have introduced me to this sweet, sweet family, and they have almost become a personality trait of mine at this point. I cannot wait to be real-life adults in the next year, but also I wish I could live with you forever. Anyways, gig them and whoop and stuff. Ooh, I wonder if they're Texas A&M folks. Is that what that means? That's like an A&M thing. Is yelling whoop? I don't know, but I know that I don't know if other places gig, but I know that A and M gigs. Mm, well, uh, I mean, get them, te- go get them, big Texas. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, stop <laughs> the other team. They're not us. That's what they like to say. Stomp the other team. They're not us. <laughs> We're big Texas. Can I read the next personal uh-huh, message? You may. Have I intimidated you? A little bit, With yeah. With my big Texas energy. I mean, energy. you know me. I'm not a sportsman like you. Not like me. Mm-hmm. This message is for Laura. It is from Alex. 
Laura, you are my most wonderful thing, my favorite weirdo. You are the strongest, funniest, best woman I know. Your laugh is magic. Your smile is my joy. I am so lucky to spend my life with the wonder that is you, and I hope that hearing this message fills you with some wonder of your own. You deserve it all. I love you all the time, every day. Every day. Lift me up, love. <laughs> Lift me up, love. Lift Laura and Alex up, love. Every day. <laughs> up and down. Seeing Griffin McElroy do Dave Matthews karaoke. Hey, it is a life-changing experience, uh, and it's I'm made me who I am today. I too There it is. Sometimes if I consume a lot of food in the presence of Griffin, I will s- find new ways to say that <laughs> statement, specifically <laughs> so that he doesn't respond with his Dave Matthews. But I'll find a way to sneak it in there. I'll be like, oh, I am so full from the food I consumed. I mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey, Jay Keith. Hey, Helen. I hear you have a true-false quiz you want me to finish. I do. Here we begin. We host a trivia game show podcast on the Max Fun Network called Go Fact Yourself. True. Correct. The show is all about celebrity guests answering trivia questions about things Jay Keith enjoys. False. We sometimes don't talk about baseball or cats. Thank God. It's questions about things they enjoy. Next, we bring on surprise experts every episode. True. Correct. Final question. It's just the two of us sitting alone with these guests. False. Correct. We have a live audience at the Angel City Brewery. See? You can hear Go Fact Yourself every first and third Friday of the month. And if you don't listen, you can go fact yourself. True. Tell you about my second thing. Please do. My second thing is uh, a wild one. I am surprised that I'm talking about it. Uh, But I got kind of into Minecraft. And I never thought that uh, I would experience this again. It came out in like 2009 originally, which is 11 freaking years ago. Uh, And I played it back when it came out because like all the like gaming people were talking about it, uh, about this weird sort of like voxel based, like cuboid, uh, like crafting game. I was like, oh, that sounds neat. And so I played it for a while. I dip in over the course of maybe like a year. I would just like check in every now and then. And then I stopped for a decade. And then it ended up being like the only game that uh, every child plays and how also like the next generation of uh, computer programmers and shit are like using to learn stuff. Uh, and it's the biggest game ever. And I like completely just sort of ignored it or just occasionally watched it from afar. But then this week I was looking for something to play on Switch. I was like, I'll get that. I opened up my own like server and like put out a code for it and said, hey, everybody, let's all hop in this and let's see what happens. And like after a week of that, I was like, oh, now I get why people enjoy this game because it's a really it's a really special kind of uh, thing. Uh, how much do you know about like Minecraft? I mean, I know that there's like a little pickaxe and that you're like building stuff and that a lot of people will make like little houses or fortresses and stuff. I don't really know what happens beyond the building. Mm, interesting. I mean, it is mostly about the building, uh, but there's a lot of other stuff that like, and, and most of the stuff beyond the building is like what has been added to this game in the last 10 years that I wasn't necessarily aware of. Uh, I should mention that the one of the co-creators of the game uh, is a real premium shithead, uh, but he has been like more or less bought out from the property at this point. Uh, so, you know, good riddance. Uh, 
it's it's you make stuff right they're a little the the basic loop can be summarized as this you start out you have nothing you're in this big randomly generated world you see a tree you punch the tree to get wood that you then can turn into a wooden pickaxe that you can use to get stone that you can use to make a stone axe and now it's faster and better and then you can cut down trees faster and get more wood and it's sort of just about like you know acquiring stuff to make more stuff that's that's basically it but there's a lot of other wild shit going on uh, that they have added since the game came out. So like they added a whole sort of agriculture update where now you can farm and you can uh, create a ranch where you breed animals and, you know, shear sheep for their wool that you can dye and put into a loom and weave into different sort of things. Uh, the big thing, and I think the reason that it is such a like big thing for STEM uh, is that one of the updates added a thing called redstone, which essentially lets you create like circuitry. It lets you create um, basic sort of programming systems like uh, and or uh, like gates. Um, yeah. And, you know, it starts off with fairly basic stuff like that, but you can also use it in tandem with a bunch of other stuff and make actual like computers. You can make actual, from something as simple as like a calculator to something like really complex, like a music synthesizer, using just stuff inside of Minecraft. Uh, and seeing all that stuff and seeing like being actually inside of this thing that I've kind of watched from afar, kind of knowing that it was turning into something weird, uh, I didn't really appreciate it until I got into it and also got into it in this, uh, you know, online world that has been populated by so far, like really chill people making completely buck wild shit uh, in this, in this, this realm is what it's called. And every time I dip in, I walk in and it's like somebody's made a 40 foot high Bart Simpson. That's pretty good. <laughs> Somebody made one of the first features in uh, this realm called Good Town was just a museum of dirt where they showed off some of their favorite dirts that they have. Uh, <laughs> I had a horse and I named him the mayor. And then he died, and I let everybody know about it. And then next time I logged in, somebody had built me like a whole stable with new horses, <laughs> new mares that I could choose from. Uh, <laughs> And I recognize that's probably not everybody's experience playing Minecraft, <laughs> but it's like uh, the last time I played this game, it was this completely other thing, right? It was this like thing that started a fire that made this entire new genre of crafting survival games that like now there's dozens and dozens and dozens and hundreds of. Uh, and it is a really unique experience to come back to it after, no joke, almost 10 years of not playing it. And it is like just something else like it is it is something huge and complex and inscrutable uh but like kind of uh, with when played in the right like circumstances with the right people like kind of magical like kind of amazing and i think as somebody who like you know covered the games industry professionally for for over a decade like it is always such a like neat satisfying experience to have that kind of awakening onto like having a thing that you wrote about without barely understanding to like a thing that you are now sort of engrossed in and finally having the context of like, Oh shit. Like this yeah. is why every kid likes this game. Like this is why everybody plays this game. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I don't know. I'm having a lot of fun. That is cool. When you think about like kids being into it, that it is like more 
constructive than destructive. You know, I feel like a lot of games are built around this idea of destroying things. And I feel like Minecraft seems more about creating, which is kind of cool. It is cool. It is like a, and and also like, no joke, from a, uh, the the like STEM teaching perspective, like I think I have a a broader understanding of why it is a valuable tool tool for that. Um, When I was a little kid, I... Uh, we had QBasic on our computer, which I think everybody had if you had Windows. Uh, and it was just this like programming language that wasn't used by a whole lot of stuff, but it taught you like the basics. Uh, so you, it was literally like the 10 print, hey, what's up? And then 20, go to 10. So it would just say, hey, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? Yeah. Uh, but I like learned how to use it, but that's like all I had. I didn't know how to like make yeah. any visuals. I would just do like text-based choose-your-own-adventure games and yeah. stuff like that. If I had something like this back then, like I would have been so deep in it. So why do you think it's so addictive? Like why are people so like Because about that it? loop that I described, punch a tree, get the wood, turn the wood into an ax to make a stronger ax to cut down the tree faster. Yeah repeat that infinity times like repeat yeah. that that one concept of getting stuff to create cool shit but also to facilitate the easier or more productive getting of future stuff okay uh that loop is like really very 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 compelling and it's compelling pretty much instantly like as soon as you make like your first thing you have now seen what is the big thing like the big hook for this game and it will just sort of sink its teeth into you like right away it's not like people will play the game for a couple hours and be like "Eh, i don't get it and bounce off like (laughs) you get it and then it just keeps kind of revealing itself to you if you if you keep like peeling back the layers uh it's a cool game and i hope that the this world stays cool for a while and doesn't get just like completely you know carpet bombed by some sad weirdo (laughs) i mean you could say that about the real world, too. You could you know? say that about the real world, too. Mm-hmm. That's true. Do you want to hear my second thing? Please. My second thing is bloopers. <laughs> oh, I love these things. <laughs> they did it wrong. <laughs> they fucked up. Um, I, I, you know, when DVDs first came out? Oh, yeah. It's the first thing I look for, man. Is that gag reel there? I got to see that gag reel. Did you, I have to ask this, my first exposure to bloopers, because again, like Rachel said, wasn't really a thing that you could get on a lot of stuff, except at the end of Jackie Chan movies, where you just see Mm -hmm. his reel of being horribly, horribly injured. (laughs) But we had a cassette tape, a a VHS cassette of MST3K bloopers that I feel like it like was on the store and like everybody who bought VHSs from them like had it. Yeah. We had the whole set and I watched that bloopers tape like so many <laughs> fucking times. When I was like six, like I did not get most of it. Just like puppet pieces falling off. Yes, literally yeah. just like Tom Crow's eyeballs like falling out. Uh, you yeah. mean Tom Servo? Tom Servo, Crow? yes. I've combined them into one. Well, that's <laughs> what we call the ship in uh, on the very active MST3K online oh, forums. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's your user name on that uh tom tom well tom riddle uh 69 <laughs> that's uh but it's the same one i use for the Potterverse. <laughs> um there is there's actually there's a rich history to bloopers which i was delighted to see um and, and i'm speaking specifically about like the u.s history of bloopers i know that there is a whole uk history of bloopers as well except they call them whoopsies <laughs> what <laughs> ah, a real cock up. 
The term blooper was popularized in the 50s and 60s in a series of albums produced by Kermit Schaefer entitled Pardon My Blooper. (laughs) (laughs) What was Kermit Schaefer? Uh Mr. Schaefer, I do not believe I will. (laughs) When put in that context, the word blooper becomes a foul thing. Uh, It was uh, a mixture of actual recordings of errors from TV and radio broadcasts and recreations. So I guess they would take documented bloopers and recreate them. Oh, my God. Uh, Schaefer also transcribed many bloopers into a series of books that he published up until his death in 1979. Blooper books? So you could just open the book and be like, oh, he meant to say this, but then he didn't. Yeah, and then Johnny Carson, <laughs> his belt came undone. <laughs> what? And it was so, guys, it was so freaking funny. You had uh, to, you guess you had to be there. Um, in the 80s is when Dick Clark revived the bloopers concept for a series of specials on t- NBC called TV Censored Bloopers. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. I remember those. Yeah. Um, it was a weekly series from 1984 to 1992, co-hosted by Clark and Ed McMahon, uh, and then followed by more specials that appeared on ABC irregularly until 2004. Hmm. I remember just kind of turning on TV and be like, oh. Well, this is a surprise. <laughs> it seemed like there was no regular schedule for these specials. However, there is a early, early history of bloopers, and this is this is delightful. Uh, 1930s radio broadcaster Harry Von Zell, who accidentally referred to then U.S. President Herbert Hoover as Hubert Heaver <laughs> during an <the> introduction. <laughs> Hubert Heaver is so good. God, I wish that was one of our presidents was Hubert Heaver. <laughs> That should be your username in your blooper forum that you're in. Hubert Heaver. Hubert Heaver. I bet there's a bunch of them already, though. Yeah, probably. Uh, A similar situation occurred decades later when then-new President Gerald Ford was introduced as Gerald Smith, which was the same name as an American fascist leader from the 1930s. Yeah, that one's not so much of a gut buster. Kind of a a rough blooper there. But see, we became familiar with them, at least I did, in the 90s sitcoms like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Home Improvement in the closing credits. Yeah, and then I feel like it's taken on a completely different shape now with the uh, mostly like NBC sitcom blooper reel. Yeah, like yeah, you can find a lot of that on YouTube. So like Parks and Rec and The Office, Friends, Arrested Development. There is one Parks and Rec blooper reel that I watch like <laughs> semi-annually. Like I watch it a lot. It's the one where Andy throws the briefcase he likes it's oh, like they steal like, a briefcase yeah. from like a genealogy center or something like that and he knocks uh, out Rob Lowe told, tells him to throw it back and so he just literally launches it towards the back of the room and it smashes a light switch and like breaks <laughs> the lights in the room and everybody's like uh-oh that's not going to be easy to fix apparently i didn't know about this and you might cuz you're more um more knowledgeable about about this culture uh, Star Trek produced many famous outtakes, which were shown uh, at gatherings and have been extensively bootlegged. Oh. You know about this? No. But it's, I'm not a, you know. So that maybe, you know, your, your people. Well, I'm a big, strong, muscular jock. <laughs> um, this, this was more of a common thing for, like, kind of cast party sake. Apparently, there was a cast rap party for Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, uh, and partygoers had access to a gag reel, which has never been released to the oh, public. Oh, shit. It's very coveted. I mean, there's a lot of, like, Skull and Bones, like, 
secret society shit around those movies. Yeah. Like all their little little secret tattoos. <laughs> they did the fellowship. All nine of them got really? little secret tattoos. So fresh. Uh, <laughs> um yeah, so a lot of a lot of movies used to do this just for kind of internal purposes like cast and crew and then now it's it's more of a thing you can see. And then even like in animated movies now you'll see like a lot of like Pixar movies will do gag reels at the end those weird me out those i don't like it's a little intentional a little heavy-handed i mean it's a computer animated product it's not only intentional it costs them like 300 million (laughs) dollars to make each one like it's 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 yeah it weirds me out a little bit there are a lot of websites too that like capture uh movies where they maintain that the blooper reel is actually better than the film itself hmm. which happens a lot when you get like a lot of really funny comedians and really bad movies oh yeah <laughs> i mean there was the whole like all the judd apatow movies had i remember because i had like the dvds of all of them because i was like obsessed in college yeah uh where they would have the blooper reels but they would also have the Ramas where it would be oh just over and just over improvised again. just yeah. the same like uh, like anchorman has a lot anchorman of those too. i mean anchorman had so many of those that they made a second movie out of <laughs> out of there i forget like that that was a thing but like i remember there's a version of that movie you could buy at best buy that it was literally just a completely different movie like it was just a completely Whoa, different i didn't know that with like a completely different plot line i may be misremembering this but like they had so much extra like shit from that movie yeah. that they made a whole nother movie out of it uh hey can i tell you i'm gonna watch i want to watch nothing but bloopers right now it's like you've got <laughs> me you've you've stuck me with the bug uh here's some submissions from our friends at home okay caroline says my wonderful thing this week is adopting animals from a shelter i volunteer with dogs at a local shelter and i got to see how they change get confident and learn to trust humans during their time at the shelter and how happy they are when they leave with their new family bonus my boyfriend and i just adopted a six-year-old perfect soft orange boy cat named jarvis from the same shelter oh that's so nice that's a good cat that's a good cat name and i wish you the best i wish you the best uh Orange Cat too is like good because that's what the funny Garfield looks like. <laughs> and the, Heathcliff. You know, people forget about Heathcliff. But. I swore I'd never forget about Heathcliff, but here I go. Slipping on Heathcliff. <laughs> Delaney says, I live in Ohio, west of Cleveland, where corn is a big deal. We have a whole festival devoted to it, complete with three corn mascots. And Rachel. These are those mascots. Oh, there's a candy corn, there's a, a a cob corn, and then there's a what I think is a popcorn, but looks a little bit like a lamb chop from Lamb Chop's sing along. And hey, this is Griffin with my own sort of editorialization. Uh, they're all ghoulish and terrifying. <laughs> I think they're friendly. They're all smiling real big. I think the corn cob is friendly. The corn cob looks like the corn cob knows how to party. The candy corn looks <laughs> fucking dead inside, and the popcorn has no right to like exist in its current state. They're Can people all. find this online, or was this sent to us specifically? Maybe. Uh, just Google Corn Fest, Ohio Corn Fest, and maybe you can find it. Anyway, Delaney adds, looking at these pictures now, I'm kind of surprised I wasn't scared of them as a kid. <laughs> Nonetheless, I have so many fond memories of the Corn Fest when, uh, and went every year growing up. I will it wasn't admit that candy corn, it. that candy corn is a little scary. The candy corn is is planning something. My yeah, demise. Yeah, the eyes are kind of off to the side. Like it's Yes, it's thinking about something. <laughs> the corn also won't look you, the corn cob won't look you directly in the eyes no. the corn cob is looking upwards at jesus in heaven saying like 
soon. This is how you do me. <laughs> uh, hey, thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Uh, and hey, thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Yeah, thank you, Maximum Fun. I mentioned it earlier, but if you are interested in wrestling, Tights and Fights is a great podcast for you to check out on the Maximum Fun Network. Yeah, go do that immediately. Uh, don't make me remind you. Uh, don't make me tell you twice, or else I'm gonna get you, and I'm gonna slam you. I'm gonna, and I'm gonna slam you up into the ceiling tiles. Okay, baby. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.